What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 48 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paleo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman and Core. Week 11, another week, man, where you just can't predict some of these outcomes. I'm ready to uh, recap these games, and let's get right into it. Yeah, for sure, Paleo. Another week at the office for um, in the NFL and the NCAA and everything. And yeah, pretty, pretty hectic week, and yeah, ready to get to it. Yeah, I didn't even mention the college football and all the change-up that went there, but... We'll get to the NFL first, then we'll get into our college stuff. Starting in the NFL, I mean, we both kind of like the Indianapolis Colts to keep the game close against the Buffalo Bills. I don't think we thought it was going to be a blowout for the Colts and a victory for them. But, I mean, behind Jonathan Taylor, who's becoming one of the top running backs in the National Football League, 204 yards from scrimmage, five total touchdowns. The Colts absolutely blow out Buffalo in Buffalo. Definitely a big statement win for them. I mean, this Colts team, we mentioned a bunch of times on this podcast how the Colts' schedule the first five weeks of the season was brutal. And then after that, it really eased up, and they've really taken advantage of that. I mean, when the Colts have been able to run the ball and control the game and play the way they want to play, they have been flawless. Um, Yeah, they got a tough matchup this week, but, I mean, definitely a statement win in Buffalo this past week. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this Indianapolis Colts team, like, it's a team right now I'm not really looking to play, and I'm going to say it right now, I'm not, I don't even think this is recency bias. Like, I just think, I could say it's recency bias. Like, Christian McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, all great backs. But I think after Derrick Henry, I think right now, like, how could you say anyone's better th- than Jonathan Taylor, just the way he's been running this year and the way he closed last year? Like, he's just been as good. I mean, Derrick Henry's in a league of his own, but he's just been, like, besides him, I think he's just been better than anyone, and... I don't know. Like this Colts team, if they get hot, like it's a team, like if you're able to run the ball like the Colts right now in the playoffs, like it's just, it's a weapon. I think that's like currently they're just leaning on Jonathan Taylor and they'll see how far it takes them. Carson Wentz obviously hasn't been able to do too much, but yeah, I think this game's just more about the Indianapolis Colts than uh, the Buffalo Bills. I think there is some panic for the Buffalo Bills, but uh, I'll just give all the credit to Jonathan Taylor, the defense and the Colts in, uh, in this one. Yeah, I mean, the Colts' defense, too, kind of got off to a tough start. But, yeah, they've really kind of come into their own. They were a really good unit last year. And Carson Wentz on the offensive side of things, I mean, not really just turning the ball over a ton this year, which is great for them, you know what I mean? They're not asking him to be Superman. They're asking him to just play in rhythm with the offense. And that's what he's done. I think he only has three interceptions on the season. They threw two of them in that game against the Tennessee Titans, the one that they lost in overtime. So, I mean, doing a good job of protecting the football and just playing complimentary football, too, Jonathan Taylor. You're 100% right. If you ask me from a pure like rushing standpoint, top running backs in the league, like who I want to hand the ball off to, let's say, um, I don't know, third and one, Derrick Henry's one, Jonathan Taylor definitely two. The fact that that guy went in the second round of the NFL draft, he was the third running back off the board last year is crazy. Should have definitely, if you ask me, been like a top 20 pick. I know he had like a bunch of fumbling issues, really wasn't too much, you wasn't really too utilized as a pass catcher at Wisconsin, but I mean, the Colts have kind of implemented that a little bit this year, and he's taken off. Good for Jonathan Taylor. He's going to be a, a future star in this league. He really already is becoming one. But, yeah, the Buffalo Bills, core. I think it kind of is a little time to hit the panic button. And the only reason why I say that is because they will play the New England Patriots twice in the next month or so. I mean, the Patriots look like they're a completely different team from last year with, obviously, all the upgrades that they made. Mac Jones specifically at the quarterback position. Buffalo it just seems like they fell right back into their biggest problems last year in a sense that they can't run the football again. I mean, this one, it doesn't really help that you get down early in the game, 14, nothing, but you got to play. They're asking, it's almost like Josh Allen again, asking to do maybe a little bit too much, but I mean, 
you talk about now, this is what, in the past three weeks, they had that ugly game against the Jaguars and then this game against the Colts. A uh, little worried about Buffalo. After after they beat the Chiefs early in the year, you're like, all right, maybe they're probably just going to run the AFC, but I definitely think they've left the door open now. Yeah, for, I agree with that uh, completely. I mean, if you look at the wins that they got, like the Chiefs, after that Chiefs game, I think everyone was just giving the, the Bills like so much credit, like so much praise, like, oh, are the Bills the best team in the NFL? But if you look at their wins, like, Losses Steelers week one. They beat they beat the Dolphins, the Washington football team, the Texans, the Jaguars, uh, the Dolphins again, and, and like the Jets. So like they really haven't beaten a good team besides the Kansas City Chiefs who were going through some struggles or maybe found themselves back. But I mean, yeah, I mean the Bills really can't run the ball. Like if you're telling me like their best rusher is probably Josh Allen, honestly. And yeah, I mean, it's been um it's been a struggle for them to run the ball and against good teams, like they kind of get exposed in that way. So I don't know. Like the AFC is clearly wide open and I think Bill Belichick right now, he might just be a, might be, I don't know. Probably got like an evil smile seeing like he's in first place and the bills are struggling a little bit and he sees the Patriots just like hitting their stride right now. So I don't know. I, I think the, the bills might be in a little bit of trouble, at least when in the AFC East right now, honestly. Yeah, Belichick's got that smirk. I don't know if you can think of the clip <laughs> where it's like um, the Adam Gase thing on Monday Night Football where like he declined the penalty and he's just laughing yeah, on the sideline. That's, Bel- <laughs> that's Belichick right now when he sees the Bills at 6-4. Uh, and four. But yeah, the Bills defense, listen, there's still been a very good unit this year. They had probably the, I mean, by far their worst game of the season. Uh, didn't really help that. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie had like that fumble on the kickoff return that set the Bills up. Uh, that set the Colts up, excuse me, inside the 20-yard line. But all in all, I'll tip my cap to the Colts. They're a good football team. They got a tough matchup, like I said this week, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That one I'm excited to see if they're able to establish the run game in that with the Bucs run defense. Another running back with an awesome performance on Sunday night football. Austin Eckler scored four touchdowns, propelled the Chargers to victory. I mean, the Chargers kind of blew a set. They did blow a 17-point lead in this game. But ultimately, under two minutes to go, Justin Herbert found Mike Williams for a long touchdown. I believe it was uh, 60 yards about. Uh, Steelers weren't able to come back with a game-winning drive in their own. The Chargers improved to 6-4 and four on the season, puts them right in the thick of the playoff race in the AFC. For them, I think it was a big win. But, I mean, to be honest, I think this game also told me a lot about the Steelers, where I thought the Steelers, they go down 17 points. You know what I mean? I kind of thought they would have rolled over and died, especially with all the injuries that they had on the defensive side of the ball. But to compete with no Minka Fitzpatrick, no Joe Hayden, and, of course, no TJ Watt, it's almost like, you know what I mean? I kind of – Tip my cap to the Steers in a sense. It was a valiant effort. They got a big pump block to kind of swing the momentum in this game. I think both these teams definitely are going to go down to the wire when it comes to making a playoff run. I think both these two teams maybe aren't Super Bowl contenders, but they're definitely in contention to be a playoff team and maybe get hot at the right time. Yeah, I mean, the Chargers, uh, I thought we're going to probably run away with this game when they were up, uh, was it two, at least I think two or three possessions. But yeah, I mean, in a game like this, uh, Pittsburgh's identity has been to kind of lean on that defense. But like you said, with um, a few starters out, uh, TJ Watt, Minka Fitzpatrick, two, two top guys, they kind of had to adapt. And, yeah, I mean, they did lose the game. But I think in a game like this, uh, I don't think this team's really made to be in shootouts like this, like the way it turned out. But, I mean, they competed, and they had the lead, 37-34. But that defense that they usually lead on couldn't get a stop at the um, – at the end of the game. So I think, yeah, like you said, these are two teams 
Um, not like the upper. I mean, the Chargers we thought were, but I think they kind of fell off a little. I would say maybe them. But I don't think the Steelers are in that top, um, like like quadrant or something of the AFC. But yeah, I think both these teams definitely could definitely get in the playoffs. And two teams definitely maybe like win a playoff game. I don't know if they can get to the Super Bowl, but yeah, this is a really good game. Ended up being a really good game by the end. But yeah, I mean, it was tough for the Steelers. But I mean, Big Ben, Najee, Deontay Harris. I mean, Deontay Johnson. They battled and uh, gave gave uh, the Steelers a chance in this one. But yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert finds Mike Williams and comes away with the win. Yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert's an absolute superstar. I mean, we've mentioned it all last year and kind of just watching his ascension to the top. And I mean, you watch a game like that again, it's just like, I mean, as a Giants fan, it hurts to know that Justin Herbert went back to school for the 2020, like for the 2019 college football season. So he couldn't go into the 2019 draft and then went to the 2020 draft where he could have been potentially the sixth overall pick. Not saying that I'm not, I'm not completely throwing the white flag on Daniel Jones, but you know what I mean? Justin Herbert, I mean, you, you, you're blind to say that you'd rather take Daniel Jones over Justin Herbert. I mean, Justin Herbert is an absolute superstar. Uh, Going to be one of the top quarterbacks in our game. But one guy I want to show a little bit more love to, Corey, you mentioned his name, Deontay Johnson. He's an unbelievable wide receiver. I mean, again, out of Toledo a couple years ago, uh, 2019, he came out. I mean, he, all he does is produce and put up big numbers. He had a nice, beautiful route on a touchdown pass from Big Ben in the corner of the end zone. Uh, yeah, definitely. And a good Pittsburgh like the Pittsburgh Steelers always seem to have shifty receivers and stuff like that. And Deontay Johnson just seems like he's up next. Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, Deontay Johnson, he's just, I don't know who like his comparison would be, but yeah, I mean, he's just like a very smooth route runner and he, he's good at making plays like after the catch. I don't know if he kind of reminds me. I'm like, I feel like his like skill set. I think Kadarius Tony's good after the catch. Like, Kadarius Tony's probably better after the catch, but I think uh, Deontay Johnson. Similar in a type, like he's able to create after the catch, and the way he moves is just like pretty smooth. Like Kadarius Tone, I'll just give like a little type comparison. I don't know what you see that, but like I just think, yeah, they both move pretty, pretty smoothly. Pretty good route runners after the catch. They're they're good, but yeah, I mean Deontay Johnson, like you said, um, the Steelers always got good receivers. I mean Juju, my guy, kind of fell off a little bit. He he looked like he was going to be maybe a next Steelers. Um, Steelers good wide receiver. Not not like the same as Deontay, but yeah, I mean, Deontay looks like he's probably the number one of this team, obviously. And I don't know, he's, hopefully he's um, up next for one of those like solid, good Steelers wide receivers. Yeah, hopefully for their sake, they've uh, struck gold with him. And so far, it looks like they have. Cool, let's open it up to the rest of the AFC and what happened this past weekend. The Tennessee Titans had kind of an ugly loss again to the Houston Texans. That game was in Tennessee, too. I mean, now the Titans are 8-3, and three, and two of their losses have been to the Jets and the Texans, which is just crazy. I mean, the Texans, uh, the Titans, excuse me, are just one of those teams, it seems like, that just plays kind of to their competition. I mean, they beat the Chiefs this year. They beat the Bills. They beat the Colts twice. And then you lose to the Jets and the Texans. Like, I don't know, kind of a sour note, if you ask me, but Tyrod Taylor ran for that touchdown, I remember, in this game to kind of all but seal it. They like 19 nothing, and they weren't, I mean, it Showed a little bit of life, Tennessee, but they were never able to completely get over the hump in that game. But, yeah, I mean, the Titans technically still are the number one seed. I know, me personally, I haven't really been sold on the Titans from day one, even with all those impressive victories. Yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see where you stand on the Titans after this one. I mean, I think after a loss like this where um, Ryan Tannehill throws four interceptions and you don't see Derrick Henry in the backfield anymore, I just think this just shows that how open – the um the AFC is and literally there's so many teams that could uh 
that could go to the Super Bowl representing the AFC. I think the Titans, I know they beat the, um, obviously they beat the Rams. That was a really good win. That la- And then they beat the, the Saints. I don't know, this game, it just, I don't know. I think this, I think it kind of said, I know like they've beaten good teams and they lost to like bad teams, but I don't know, this one kind of did not feel right, especially four interceptions from Ryan Tannehill. I really, I know they're first in the AFC, but I'm like, without Derrick Henry, they're just not a complete offense. They have to rely more on that defense, and the defense did play really good against the Rams. That's um, that's one thing they did, but I don't know if they like consistently can do that like week after week. They have a good, pretty good front four, but I don't know. I, I don't think, the Titans are obviously in first, but I don't think they're, like, I don't think most people say they're not the favorites. The favorites to win the AFC, I don't think they are. And, yeah, I think after this, like I said, I think it just shows how wide open the AFC uh, really is. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think that the Titans have had to lean on their defense a lot more, obviously, with Derrick Henry being out, as well as Ryan Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill obviously kind of had a career resurgence with Tennessee coming in middle of the season in 2019 as a starter, taking over for Mariota, kind of propelling them into the playoffs. And then last year he was real good. He's got, he got a lot of money and stuff like that. But, yeah, I think that, again, this is just one of those situations where – I'm not going to say, like, Tannehill, if you ever, like, I never saw Tannehill, if you actually, as one of the elite quarterbacks, even when he was on that run, you know what I mean? He's just, he plays so well within the system. And again, like, I'm not going to say he doesn't elevate the people around him, but he's not going to be able to put an offense completely on his back and go will them to a victory, you know what I mean? Which is not a knock on Tannehill at all. I mean, there's, I don't know, maybe not even, there's probably not even 10 quarterbacks in the league who can do that. So it's, you know what I mean? You're nitpicking there, but Overall, Tannehill definitely will need to kind of step up and emerge into this guy who can really carry this offense until Derrick Henry comes back. And who knows when Derrick Henry comes back? I mean, they're thinking maybe they get him back late, like late last week of the season, maybe hopefully in the playoffs for their sake. But for the Titans' sake, hopefully they de- they desperately need Derrick Henry. A couple other games that we got in the AFC. I mean, the Raiders dropped their third straight to the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals kind of make a statement in this game going on the road off their bye week. After a couple ugly losses going into the bye against the Jets and then the following week against the Browns, uh, Joe Mixon had a nice little day. You know what I mean? Finally, really seems like he's coming into his own there. Another game that you had in the AFC, the Baltimore Ravens with no Lamar Jackson go to Chicago and beat the Bears. I know that's not really shouldn't be too, too impressive, but I mean, the way that the Ravens looked that week before against the Dolphins, with no Lamar, I, I would have. I thought honestly the Ravens are gonna get blown out because I mean that's this is probably the worst roster if you've asked me. The Ravens have had with Lamar Jackson it seemed like he was be ex be Superman every week and he kind of had been to that point in the in their wins at least. But uh, Huntley, I mean great week for Utah football. First they win on Saturday, then uh, Tyler Huntley, their former quarterback, gets his first NFL start and his first NFL win because uh, he had leads them on a late touchdown drive. So. Uh, yeah, good for the Ravens there. That's a big win for them to keep them on top of the AFC North. But, uh, yeah, even with the Bengals winning, like I said, and the Ravens winning in the AFC North, I'll still take the Ravens over the Bengals to this point. Yeah, I think the Ravens – even though, yeah, the Bengals did beat the Ravens, but I've just um, – I think the Ravens, uh, just like everything they've been through, I would definitely take them over them. But I'm going to start the, that, that Bengals-Raiders game. I, I think – I don't know what's going on, but I think in, in Las Vegas right now, um, I don't know, I think maybe like the adversity that every th- or maybe they're just not that good of a football team. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I think it's like the Raiders always do get off to good starts, but I think like a lot of they've had they've dealt with a lot of adversity this year, and maybe it's starting to catch up to them. In my opinion, I think um, yeah, I mean you lose back to back home games to the Chiefs and Bengals. I'm not like those are pretty good teams. I'm not saying like 
win them both. But I think like a good team like the Raiders, like who we thought they were, like you got to at least win one of those games. And the fact that they, they lost both those games by like three, like at least three possessions, I think, I don't know. I mean, uh, the offense really is lacking. Like obviously Henry Ruggs, like they don't really have like a major deep threat anymore. And I don't know, you could tell like Derek Carr is not the same quarterback he was earlier. I mean, Josh Jacobs, you couldn't really run the ball that well. You were down in this game. Uh, Darren Waller is obviously really good, but yeah, they don't really get that deep threat. And obviously, yeah, Joe Mixon in this game, like I think he's really starting to turn the corner. Like, and obviously this guy I kind of thought was like a meme, like his first few years, obviously the talent was there, but now he's starting to, to really come along. And then um, in the Ravens game, I don't know, it was kind of an ugly game, but I mean, you're the Ravens here. No Lamar Jackson. It does not matter how you get the job done. It doesn't matter who you're playing. If it's the Bears, if it's a high school team, like you don't have Lamar Jackson, just come away with the win. And that's exactly what they did. They found a way to uh, to get that job done at seven and three, first in the AFC North. And yeah, it's about it. And I think you can make a case. I think the Ravens and Bengals. It's so wide open. Not really. The, I mean, I give the Bengals a little bit of a nod. They're like two teams. You never know on that. I'd say both of them have a chance of uh, coming out the AFC. Ravens, obviously, more so than the, the Bengals, but it's just so wide open. Like, I'll even say the Bengals in there. It's just, yeah, I mean, I keep saying it. The AFC is just so, so wide open. Yeah, I mean, it really is for sure. I mean, we'll get into a couple other teams here. One last thing I just want to leave off on that. Justin Fields in that game against the Ravens did go down. Andy Dalton stepped in. Andy Dalton will be starting this week on Thursday, Thanksgiving, against the Detroit Lions. So we'll have to wait and see. Hopefully, Justin Fields is able to recover quickly. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs won their fourth straight game. They seem to be clicking, firing on all cylinders. They're going into their bye week, too, which I bet you they probably don't even want right now. You know what I mean? Finally, they got hot, they get hot, and it's almost like, all right, we got to pause this for a week. But against a good Dallas Cowboys team, their defense really steps up and kind of wins them the game, which is interesting because when you start playing complimentary football and stuff like that in the NFL, when you can win a bunch of different ways, especially how good their offense is, that if their defense can step up like this and get and win them a game when their offense just doesn't have it, that makes them a very dangerous team. I think the Chiefs, their early their early season scares now are kind of more just like flukes. Like I don't want to, I don't think their team is like completely perfect like it's been the last couple of years, but it's definitely not as bad as we were seeing it in the middle of the season starting to worry on. I think they're going to find it ha- a happy medium between the two. But, I mean, with all, like, the negativity that's been around the Chiefs this year, I mean, they're, I think, one game out of the top, being the number one seed in the AFC. They're leading their division. So, yeah, I'm excited to see if the Chiefs can maybe uh, run it back again and potentially be the top seed in the AFC. I definitely, like you said, it's wide open. I think uh, there's only I, – I don't, I don't know. What do you stand on that? I, I, I mean, I think in a year like this, um, I, I can't I don't see why not the, the Chiefs can't run it back because, I mean, they've represented the AFC the last two years. And I don't know. I think they're starting to find their find their stride back. I know they their offense didn't look great in this game. But, hey, I mean, they dropped 41 on the Raiders last week and this week they win 19 and nine. Like you said, when you can win different like several different ways, it's um it's definitely helpful. And, yeah, I mean, if there was a season for the Chiefs to, like, get off to a slow type of start, I mean, I guess it was this year. I, I haven't really paid attention. But the AFC, like, has, like, a lot of good teams. But as a whole, I think it, it's kind of mediocre. Like, the top team, like, no one is really sticking out. And I think in a year like this, the Chiefs are probably, like, this is this is perfect. Like, no one is sticking out. We're finally starting to hit our stride. We, we've, we've been here before. So, yeah, I mean – 
I'd say right now, if you're going to tell me who's going to win the AFC, I mean, looking at it, I'm probably picking the Kansas City Chiefs. I think them or right now the New England Patriots, I think, um, are the two top teams. But, yeah, I think in a year like this, there's no doubt in my mind the, the Chiefs could uh, could run it back and get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you're right in that sense. Like last year, I mean, the Buffalo Bills, I believe, finished 13-3. and three, So it wouldn't have been like for the Chiefs to get off to a slow start that, that year. Would have cost them the first seed. Obviously, they went 14-2 and two last year. But, I mean, you look at uh, the Kansas City Chiefs winning five, four straight. The only team in the NFL that's really probably hotter than them is the New England Patriots have won five straight. The past couple weeks, it's been like their defense is unbelievable. I mean, I think – They've given up like 50 points in the last four games or something like that combined. It's ridiculous how good their defense has been. Mac Jones is so in rhythm on their offense with what they want to do. And again, in a year where the AFC, there's just no clear number one, Bill Belichick has a path right now to completely snatch that number one seed. I know I mentioned that the Bills, they play them twice, and I think those are going to be two interesting matchups, both of those games. I'm really not too sure how those are going to pan out. I mean, Last year, I know the Bills kind of had the Patriots number. I remember that Monday night football game. They kind of blew them out real good. But uh, I think if the Patriots can win those games, like if they win the first game against Buffalo, I, I'd be ready to declare the Patriots like the one seed in the AFC. I really, what I'll say right now for this with the AFC, I'm not going to pick who I think is going to finish as the number one seed in the AFC. I would, I just, whatever team starts clicking, like late, if you ask me, is going to make a run in the AFC and end up running into the Super Bowl. Cause I just, like, again, as I see it right now, I just don't see a clear powerhouse in the AFC that, like, oh, the AFC runs through this place or runs through this team. The Patriots are getting pretty close to it. I may, I don't want to say that they, may, they might peak a little too early in a sense. You know what I mean? Like, if this was week 17 right now, I'd be like, oh, I'd be all aboard the Patriots right now while they're playing. I'd like to see, like, you know what I mean, a little closer to the end. But definitely the Patriots. The one thing that worries me a little bit, I guess, about them would be, like, their lack of, like, elite-level playmakers on offense. They really don't have any. You know what I mean? Normally they had, like, obviously, obviously you used to have Brady and Gronk. You know what I mean? But they, they normally get a good performance out of other people. You know, Julian Edelman, James White, those guys have stepped up in huge games for them. So I wouldn't be surprised if, I don't know, Jacoby Myers ends up putting on a show come a playoff game and stuff like that. But that is one thing that would worry me about the Patriots. Other than that, they have every single box checked in my book. So I'm not going to say they are the number one seed, but I definitely think that it's crazy and, like, that they're in this position. I think that maybe they got a little too overlooked from a lot of people this year. And uh, yeah, it's the Patriots, I think, are back. I don't know if they're necessarily their dynasty that they used to be with Brady, but they are definitely um, back in the thick of things in the top of the AFC. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sold. I think the, the Patriots are definitely back. I mean, I remember texting you. I was like, yo, you got to talk on the podcast. It was like, I think it was during the Bucks game when they played the Bucks. I'm like, yo, got to talk. Mac Jones is not the truth. And I mean, I'm not saying this guy, Mac Jones, is going to be a superstar, but We've talked about, like, like during his draft process, like, getting drafted the Patriots would be a perfect fit for him, and it's honestly proving to be so. I mean, they run the ball so good. Ramondre Stevenson, he, he, he's really good. Um, finally getting, like, a lot of, like, a decent amount of carries, kind of turning into more of, like, a split backfield, and he's taking advantage of it. Damian Harris, obviously, also really good. The defense, you don't even got to say anything about them. I mean, J.C. Jackson... Guy's name's Mr. Int on Instagram. Like, that is just funny. Like, Mr. Int. That is, I found that pretty funny. Uh, obviously, Matthew Judon. Like, the whole defense is clicking. And I, I would say, I definitely don't think this team's peaking too early. I think with the Bill Belichick coach team, I wouldn't say peaking too early. I would say it's like they're just starting to, to hit their stride. And, yeah, I mean, I was honestly going to say it also. Like, 
The one thing, I don't even think it'll be that big of a problem. Like, they just don't really got, like, an elite wide receiving core or, like, playmaker to go to. I mean, Nelson Aguilar is pretty fast, but, like, he's not, like, a go-to guy. Maybe he's a little bit of a deep threat, but maybe Ken, um, Kendrick Bourne. But, yeah, they really don't got, like, a top guy. But I think this team just built so well. Like, they don't need a top guy um, in that way. Like, everything else is so good. Mac Jones is, like, really starting to, like, look good in that in, uh, in that Bill Belichick system. Matt um, and uh, Josh McDaniels. And a year where the Kansas City Chiefs, I think they're coming back. Like, they're good. But I don't think they're the same Kansas City Chiefs we saw last year or the year before. Like, even if they start to kind of hit their stride, I still think, like, the Chiefs from last year and the year before that, we're, we're better than this team. So I think in a year like that, I, I think right now the Chiefs and uh, the Patriots are uh, the two scariest teams. And I might have to give the edge to the Patriots right now, just how good they've, uh, they've played. Yeah, and I think that's completely fair to say. And I think Buffalo will, of course, I think we kind of pinned them as the best in the AFC earlier in the year. I think if they can go beat New England in a couple weeks, then they're like, all right, Buffalo's definitely back up there. Obviously, still wide open. I mean, Baltimore right up there, too. For the Patriots' sake, they play Tennessee, the Bills, the Colts, and the Bills, their next four games. They have a bye week sprinkled in there as well. So this is their test, right? I mean, the next four games that they have, if you could go 3-1 and one in these things and rattle up, again, victories against premium-level teams, teams that probably will be in the playoffs, it's saying a lot about your team and your chances to potentially run the AFC and potentially um, make it to another Super Bowl. Corey, let's flip gears. Let's go to the NFC I mean, we've mentioned how the wild card race in the NFC has been kind of like chaotic in a sense. All the like teams right in the middle of that sense. And I mean, three of the teams got huge wins. Three of the teams that I personally think can definitely make playoff runs in the NFC. At least maybe not get to the Super Bowl, but definitely at least get into the playoffs. And once you get into the playoffs, you never know. I guess we'll start with the most impressive victory in my eyes. We'll go with the Minnesota Vikings beating the Green Bay Packers 34-31 on a Greg Joseph last second field goal thanks to Justin Jefferson's big day. I mean, I was a little nervous for the Minnesota Vikings in this game because they gave the ball back to Aaron Rodgers. And I was like, well, you know what I mean? It was too much time. I think they gave it back to him with like two minutes left. And then they literally give up a touchdown on the first play. And I was like, well, that honestly like might've been the best thing that happened to them because there's no way that what you are. Like if you, if you could just hold the ball and don't let Aaron Rodgers get the ball again, you're probably going to win this game, which is ultimately what they were able to do. But uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson in this game was unguardable. Eight receptions, 169 yards, two touchdowns, really kind of, um, solidifying himself as one of the best receivers in football, if you ask me. I know it's only his second year, but I think you could definitely have him on a short list. I mean, maybe outside your, just outside your top five, maybe even in it, you could argue. He's been unbelievable. But yeah, Kirk Cousins continues to have a criminally underrated year. I think, again, he's a guy who people just see his name and they're like, ew, Kirk Cousins, he's not good. But let me tell you something. This guy's playing like one of the top quarterbacks in the NFL right now. 21 touchdowns, only two interceptions on the season. Yeah, Dalvin Cook hopefully can hit his stride. He hasn't really had a, a Dalvin Cook-esque year from what we've seen in years past. But, um, yeah, and a real impressive win for the Minnesota Vikings on the offensive side of things. I mean, on the defensive side of things, Aaron Rodgers absolutely shredded their secondary. But, um, I mean, a win's a win for them. So they'll definitely take it. At home, huge win for the Vikings. I mean, yeah, the, the scary thing about the Vikings, I'm saying, like, you know when you play the, like the Minnesota Vikings, it's going to be – it's going to be a close game. Like they're, it doesn't matter if they're playing – I mean, if they're playing, like, the worst team in the NFL, probably not. But, like, I'm talking about, like, premier-level teams. Like, if they play the Vikings right now, you're most likely going to be – dogfight might not be the right word because they scored a decent amount of points. But it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a, it's going to be a battle. 
Like you're gonna have to, um, you're gonna have to play good. I mean, this team sometimes they do beat themselves, but you know, like they'll, they'll you're gonna be in a close game. And I think uh, if, if if they can, like uh, some of these games, if they lost Week One to Kansas City, uh, Greg Joseph misses a field goal against the uh, the Cardinals Week Two. Like two games easily could win. You can look at a lot of the games they've lost. Like you lost to the Ravens. Like you were up in that game. Like they have so many games. Like this team could easily be seven, seven wins right now. But yeah, I mean, ju- let's go to Justin Jefferson. I think you got to start solidifying this guy as a as a top five wide receiver. Uh, I mean, you got like Devonte Adams. I mean, I don't even know if you could put. I mean, D Hop, I'll still give Tyreek, uh, Cooper Cup right now. But like, he's right in that right in that uh, conversation. Only in his second year, he's just so good at uh, getting open. He comes down with a lot of contested catches, which um. Obviously, really impressive. And then, yeah, Kirk Cousins, I sent, like, a meme. It was, like, when Kirk Cousins has 21 touchdowns and two interceptions, but you're, like, but it's still Kirk Cousins. Like, he is actually having a good season. Like, his stats, he has a lot of yards, too. He's not even turning the ball over. I think the thing about Kirk Cousins, I want to see this guy start to show up in, like, big games because a lot of big games, he kind of doesn't live up to, to, like, the hype. And kind of folds on the pressure. I mean, Monday Night Football, we know, like, his record's terrible. I mean, this was a kind of big game against our division rival in the Packers, and he showed up. But I think, like, you got to have, like, that consistent Kirk Cousins show up in big games. And then I think this Minnesota team becomes um, a lot more dangerous. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I know, I remember the game that I'm thinking of, too, is, like, the Cowboys game. We really didn't do much of anything, in a sense, with the game that Dak Prescott's out of. You know what I mean? A lot of people look at that and they're like, oh, that's Kirk Cousins. But, I mean, you look at the rest of his season and how good he's been. I mean, the Vikings, you mentioned to the fact they play in close games. Nine out of their ten games have been one-score games. And the only one that wasn't, they scored like a touchdown against Seattle late to make it a two-score game. But, yeah, so from their side of things, I definitely think the Vikings could be a lot better than their record. And they're going to have a lot of experience playing in these close games when it comes down to week 16, 17, and 18, when you've already played in these high-pressure games and stuff like that, you're more used to them than your opponent and stuff like that. So I think that will help the Vikings down the line. For the Packers side of things, I think they're okay. Aaron Rodgers hopefully can figure out his toe injury that it seems like he has now. I think they said it might even be, like, broken. I, they have a huge game with the Rams this week, and then they go on their bye. But the Packers side of things, they got Devontae Adams going this past week, finally got Rodgers and Adams both. Um, out there and stuff like that. I mean, the past couple of weeks, you know, and both of them have dealt with COVID and stuff like that. So hopefully for the Packers' sake, Aaron Rodgers is all right. I mean, he, his toe was hurt last week and he still threw for 385 yards and four touchdowns. So I don't think there's any worry in Green Bay with that. Just a good win from the Minnesota Vikings. The San Francisco 49ers got a nice win against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, you mentioned Justin Jefferson being so good and helping the Minnesota offense, Debo Samuel as well. I mean, the guy only has one catch in this game, but he does so much now. From the backfield and sense like that had a rushing touchdown again one of the most versatile receivers in the game and if he's on a short list of receivers if you ask me if I'm starting my offense who I want out there because he does everything so well another team that got a big win the Philadelphia Eagles they get their first home win of the season against the New Orleans Saints uh, Jalen Hurts ran for three rushing touchdowns in this game and the more the weeks go it just seems like Jalen Hurts could potentially be that franchise guy in Philadelphia I know personally I'm not sold on him but I'm curious, Core, what do you think about Jalen Hurts potentially taking over that reins of franchise QB in Philly? You know, Peo, I'm pretty sold on it. I mean, coming into this year, I was, I mean, I was kind of like a Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts supporter, and I don't know, like he he could just get it done in in so many like different ways. But I mean, he went through some struggles uh, during the middle of the year, but 
I don't know, over the last few games, especially that Chargers game, I know they lost, but I was really impressed with how um, Jalen Hurts played. But I, I definitely think he could be the, the franchise guy in Philly. I'm not I, like he kind of he kind of like similar type player. I, maybe doesn't throw for as much. Maybe not like as flashy, but like him and Kyler Murray are kind of like similar type. Like they both could throw it, and obviously they're both like runners. I mean, they both have a lot of touchdowns. I mean, Hurts is like a bigger body, stronger guy. But like they're like Jalen, like Lamar Jackson coming into the league, like you were like, can he throw the ball? But like Jalen Hurts, he there's no question that he could throw the ball. And I mean, he is a good runner. That that twenty four yard touchdown he had on Sunday versus the Saints, where he made like a juke cut, like that was. I don't. There's not many quarterbacks in the NFL that can do that. Probably only him, Lamar, and Kyler Murray. Honestly, maybe Josh Allen. Like those guys. Like not many guys can do that. And he's honestly like uh, they've kind of converted to the run over the last few weeks. But um, I don't know. Jalen Hurts hasn't really thrown for that many yards since. Like, he hasn't thrown for over 200 yards the last four games, but they've been running for a lot. Um, I don't know. I, I'm kind of sold on, on Jalen Hurts. I think he could be a franchise quarterback. And, I don't know, Philly's starting to hit their stride a little bit also. It's a big week against uh, your Giants. But, yeah, I, I'm kind of sold on uh, on Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I'll praise Jalen Hurts in the sense of one of my biggest things with Jalen Hurts was his accuracy. Definitely last year, I think he only completed 52% of passes. That's up this year to about 62%. So that's, again – a nice improvement. I think also a guy who's helped Jalen Hurts a lot is their new head coach, Nick Sirianni, and what he's able to do offensively. I mean, especially, yeah, you mentioned in the last three, four weeks, he's really not asked to throw the ball as much. They're starting to play a lot more to his strength, strengths, a lot of easier completions and sense like that, and utilize his legs. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to – I won't sit here and say, look, I think Jalen Hurts is going to be their future for the next five, six, seven years. But I think Jalen Hurts has definitely earned himself another year for sure as the Philly quarterback and another chance to solidify that role. You know what I mean? I think that maybe – in the beginning of the year and stuff like that, you were like, yeah, you're like, yeah, Jan Hurts is putting up good numbers. I mean, I have him in fantasy. I love him in fantasy, but through the first half, this guy, a couple of weeks, he's one of the worst first half quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life when it comes to putting up numbers. I know obviously that's not a telltale sign of if the quarterback's good or not, if he should be their franchise quarterback. But what I'm trying to say is that their offense, some weeks, it was very stagnant and stuff like that. But recently, he's kind of solidified, kind of quieted the doubters in that sense. Hopefully, for Hurts' sake, he can, um, Continue to play well. I know, yeah, you mentioned they have a big week against the Giants this week. Emotions will definitely be high Will be high in that game, especially because of what happened in Week 17 last year. But Philly at 5-6, and six, right on the playoff bubble in a sense. Um, I'm not – I think the Niners and the Vikings are both more complete teams than them. I would still put them over Philadelphia. But, yeah, I think Philadelphia, if stuff gets crazy, like, I mean, the Saints are 5-5 five and five too. But I definitely think – I mean, we just saw it too. The Philadelphia Eagles are definitely a better football team than the New Orleans Saints. So I'm excited to see how the NFC playoff picture plays out. It's going to be pretty competitive. We've mentioned that there's teams at the top. You have the Rams, the Buccaneers, the Arizona Cardinals, who got another big win that we'll mention in a little bit. And uh, the Green Bay Packers, I, I didn't mention – I don't even think I said Dallas now. You got those five teams. And then after that, it's completely wide open. So I'm very curious to see who takes those final two spots because I, I think those first five are pretty safely in the playoff picture. But moving on, Core – to a couple teams that if you ask me, time to kind of hit the panic button on. I mentioned it real quick with the Cardinals' victory. The Seattle Seahawks now fall to three and seven, and I know they didn't have Russell Wilson for a lot of the season, but I mean, to lose that game again at home against the 
Arizona Cardinals with Colt McCoy. I mean, Colt McCoy as a backup QB in Seattle now is 2-0 in the past two years. The guy's unbelievable. But you can't lose that game if you're the Seahawks. That's literally four-year season against a backup quarterback, and you kind of get – you, you kind of get embarrassed. That's an embarrassing loss. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Uh, I think potentially you could smell a rebuild maybe in Seattle because their roster isn't very good. And, um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't look like the like they, they don't have a first-round pick this year too. Uh, they, 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 need, um, they need change there in Seattle, it almost seems like. I would say right now, I mean, Seattle's always like a team who you look at and they're like they're – in the NFC, and that's just not the case this year. I know Russell Wilson missed time, but I don't know these last two games. Maybe it's been some rust, but he certainly has not looked like um, Russell Wilson. The offense has 13 points in the last two games, and yeah, I mean, I think right now three and seven, they they might need some change, maybe some rebuild. I don't know what's going to happen with um with Russell Wilson if he's on the move or anything like that, but. Yeah, I mean, this is this team is the team it's way, like self right now. Obviously, they like DK Metcalf there, but like Russell Wilson's been there, Tyler Lockett's been there, um, DK now. Like it's just been like the same constructed team for a little bit, and their their ceilings almost seem to be like maybe win a playoff game, but they really haven't since that Super Bowl win in um what was it like twenty twelve or tw- like twenty thirteen I think. It it really hasn't been um, maybe 2014. I don't know. It hasn't been like much. And if they don't have that one Super Bowl, I don't know if this like still a thing. Like maybe they move on from uh, from Russell Wilson earlier. But Russell Wilson obviously had a really good career. I know I'm like I'm not trying to say anything like that. But yeah, I think at this point, uh, maybe it's time for change. Pete Carroll obviously a good coach, but I don't know. Right now, three and seven this year kind of seems like a wash. Um, unless they get really hot, which I personally don't see happening. So. I don't know what's happening in Seattle, but yeah, I think it might be. I'd I'd be alright seeing a, a change in uh in Seattle some way somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when Russell Wilson was like younger in his career, they had such that legion of boom in their defense. They were going to lean on that. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl against the Broncos, and then the next year they, I mean, throw that interception on the two yard line to lose to the Patriots. But yeah, since then. It really hasn't. It's never been like Seattle's like, especially the past couple of years. If you actually like Seattle's a real true Super Bowl team, it's almost been like, all right, Russell Wilson will them to the playoffs and stuff like that. And even last year, Russell Wilson got like a little cold down the stretch and stuff like that. But I still think like this, like yeah, I just I don't see the Seattle Seahawks this year as just like they're they're just not a good roster. They really haven't been the past couple of years. If you ask me, it's just been. I mean, last year they lost that game to the Rams in the playoffs, right in the first round with what's his name at quarterback with. John Warford, who started the game, and then you had an injured Jared Goff come in, and you still lost that game at home. Like, that's a brutal playoff loss, if you ask me. They brought a new offensive coordinator this year. Uh, I'm not going to say – I don't want to completely like say it hasn't worked because it doesn't help that Russell Wilson's missed some time. You know what I mean? That time off doesn't help and stuff. But, yeah, I think the Seahawks roster just really the past couple of years hasn't been good, and this year just kind of um, imploded on their face a little bit. So I definitely think they're going to have – a lot of things to sort out in the offseason. Another team, if you ask me in the NFC, that there's kind of a little bit of panic on time. My New York Giants, who got absolutely embarrassed on Monday Night Football. They lost 30-10 to 10 to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They were lucky to score 10 points in that game thanks to Andrew Thomas's touchdown that they were gifted the ball inside the 10-yard line. They fired Jason Garrett this past week, which was a good fire in the sense that they had 40 touchdowns in their last 26 games, which is crazy. If you ask me, it was dead last in the NFL. But... With, when the first coordinator goes, you definitely know it's panic time. And for the Giants, you have Dave Gettleman, 
who looks like he could potentially be on his way out. And then right behind him, Joe Judge and Daniel Jones, too. Their seats are not safe at all as the head coach and starting quarterback. So for the New York Giants, the end of the season for them is very crucial in determining where the outlook of their franchise. So, like I said, Jones and Judge specifically, I mean, Gettleman, if you ask me, his fate is kind of sealed. Like I really don't see a way that Gettleman comes back for next year. But Jones and Judge definitely are for sure on the um, – on the hot seat, if Judge, if the Giants don't get much better, even without Jason Garrett, I think both Jones and Judge could potentially go. But uh, yeah, definitely in New York, uh, they got they got a big start this week potentially against the Philadelphia Eagles, in which I mentioned a game that means a lot more to them after what like happened with the Eagles last year on Sunday Night Football, Week 17. So interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, I mean, you say hit the panic button on the um, on the Giants. I mean, I usually say that for like like. The Giants really coming into this year, like I wouldn't say like obviously the expectations to make the playoffs, but like if they didn't make the playoffs, like it's not like anyone be like surprised. Like Seattle, people thought would make the playoffs, but I guess what you're saying, like panic button, like as an organization. Um mm-hmm. I guess obviously Jason Garrett fired midseason. Uh I think I saw like I think Des Bryant said like Kadarius Tony's gonna I think have like way more like fun time or something with um with, and he'll be able to like play free or something with um with Jason Garrett fired and maybe that'll maybe that'll help. I don't know um his his play calls, but yeah, I mean as a whole I, I Joe Judge I think's gotta be on the hot seat, but I don't think he I don't think Joe Judge is gonna get fired. I think he's um the culture he, he's probably he's he's brought like a pretty good culture to this Giants team. But yeah, I mean at the end of the day I just don't think like this team's good enough to compete like in the playoffs. Uh, I know they've had some tough losses to like Washington, the chiefs. Um, they win those. They're right there. But at the end of the day, I mean, maybe Dave Gettleman, he might have to go. I think Joe judge, I, I don't think he's going to get fired honestly, but yeah, I mean this week, this game definitely means a lot to the, to the giants. Obviously I for, completely forgot somehow that like last year they, uh, they bring in Nate Sudfeld instead of Jalen hurts. So I don't know. Yeah, this is a big win. I think Giants obviously got to get this win to keep their slim playoff hopes alive. But as a whole, I don't know. I just don't think the Giants uh, are like a playoff playoff team. That's all. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they are either. And I completely understand too what you're saying. Normally, when you say push a panic button, you would normally refer that to a team that yeah is definitely disappointing and should have playoff aspirations. Stuff like that. I'm was more with the Giants trying to shoot for the whole. Like French as an organizational standpoint, I mean, you spend a lot of money in the offseason on Kenny Galladay and Adore Jackson, and this is kind of the output on stuff like that. So that's kind of where I want to be. But I, I, I thank you for kind of clearing that up a little bit. I don't want people thinking that I thought the Giants were going to go 13 and four this year and be first in the NFC East. So, um, yeah, I don't even think the game really means a lot for their playoff chance. I really don't think that they're not a playoff team, but I think for what they want to potentially become in 2022, 2023 down the road. This game means a lot. But moving on to our NFL game picks, let's talk to games core that people teams are actually going to be playing for the playoff chances in. Obviously, Thanksgiving week, so we're going to have three games on Thursday. We picked out a couple of games that we're going to talk about. First game core, the Buccaneers and the Indianapolis Colts. Colts are three-point underdogs in this game at home. Obviously, coming off that huge win against the Buffalo Bills, the Buccaneers as well just came off a nice win against the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. The Bucs, too, were on a little bit of a skid. Like I said, they got right against the Giants. I love the Bucs in this game. I think that if the Bucs can get Vita Vea back, they could really stop the run against the Colts. The Colts want to run the football. The Buccaneers know that. The Bucs are one of the best run defenses in the National Football League. I think they're going to be able to not 
stop Jonathan Taylor, but contain him enough that they're going to ask Carson Wentz to do a lot more. I mean, if you look at the Colts again, too, when they're kind of not in that rhythm of running the ball as much, they struggle. You know, when Carson Wentz isn't asked to do as much, they're winning football games. That's their formula. They want to run the ball. I ultimately think the Buccaneers will win out in that sense, in that phase of the game. I think the game's going to be close, but I'll ultimately take the Buccaneers minus three here. I just think that, like you said, that, that skid that they had, I mean, they lost that game. Who did they lose to before the Oh, they lost to the Saints. Then they went on their bye week, and then they lost to the Washington. I think that, like, you know what I mean? That's just a tough little skid, but I think they're more than okay right now, and I think they go to Indianapolis and pull out a nice victory here. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Vita Vea playing in this one is definitely uh, pretty crucial, and something's going to have to give. I mean, right now, the Indianapolis Colts, I know, they're fourth in the NFL in um in rushing yards per game. I'm not really sure on the, the Bucks, but obviously – we know how good that run defense is, so it's just tough. Like, if you could see early, I think if the if the Colts establish the run game, obviously, I, I think they win this game. But if not, I think the Bucks win. And inevitably, I think at home, I think the I think the, the Colts uh, are going to be able to get the run game going um, a decent amount. I think Jonathan Taylor continues some type of hot streak. So, I don't know. I'm going to ride the hot hand in this one. I'm going to take the Colts to, to cover plus three and win the game outright. All right, very fair. Moving on to a game that will have a lot of playoff implications at the top of the AFC. The Titans travel to Foxborough to play the Patriots. The Patriots are six-and-a-half-point favorites here. Obviously, I know the Titans are coming off that tough loss, and the Patriots are hot. They've given up 50 points in the last five games. They've won the last five games. But the Titans are just a team, again, that they love to play to their competition. You know what I mean? They play up to their competition. They play down to their competition. The Titans will definitely get up for this game. Ultimately, the Titans will be able to keep it close. I mean, obviously, they won that playoff game in Foxborough a couple years ago to in Brady's last game as a Patriot. I think the Patriots ultimately win the game. I think six and a half points is a little bit too much. So I'll take the Titans to cover the six and a half, the Patriots to win and continue that win streak. Because I think the Patriots overall are a much better football team than the Titans without Derrick Henry. But like I said, I think the Titans, they get, they get amped for these games. You know, they've done it a ton in the past couple of years that they will get up for the top teams in their conferences and they will play to their level. So I, I like the Titans to keep this game close. Ultimately, though, the Patriots win. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I think the the Titans kind of have been no, they've kind of been consistent. Like they've beaten good teams, so I think after a, ba- a loss against um probably one of the worst teams in the NFL, if not the worst, I think they come out here in Foxborough. I think they do play a relatively close game here, but yeah, I think um, the Patriots got too much going right now. I think they keep it rolling and win the game, but yeah, six and a half is a lot of points, so I'll take them to cover, but the Patriots to win. All right, Corey, moving on to what is going to be the 4 o'clock game on Fox, uh, maybe the 425 start, we'll say, is the kickoff there. The Rams travel to Green Bay to play the Packers. It's a pick em. I think the Rams potentially lose three straight games. I think that's pretty rare, you would have thought, before the season that maybe one of the top Super Bowl contenders uh, could potentially lose three straight. So that that's kind of swaying my pick in a sense. I mean, the Packers are also coming off a tough loss, but with Rodgers' toe a little banged up, I know obviously the Rams can get after the quarterback almost better than anybody in this league. But yeah, the, the Rams coming off a bye, I think this is too good of a spot in a sense for them to come out and like not win. You know, like, I don't know. I just, I, I can't see the Rams losing three straight, especially one game, uh, like a game right off, like with their bye week in the middle of that. So I'll go with the Rams to ultimately win this game. I also do like how, the Packers' new defensive coordinator used to be work under Sean McVay in Los Angeles. This is his first year at the Packers' D.C. He's had a uh, whole ton of success there. Joe Barry, I believe, is his name. So McVay, though, a lot of – like, you know what I mean? He's, he's seen a lot of that defense before, obviously. He knows what he wants to do. 
on the defensive side of the ball. So I think that'll help them. And yeah, with the extra week of preparation, I'll take the Rams here after the Packers kind of a heartbreaking loss. I do see them ultimately dropping a second game going into their bye week. So I'll take the Rams to win this game, but I think this should be a real good game. And I'd be disappointed if it wasn't. I mean, pale last week. Uh, I mean, it's, it's a rematch of last year's um, divisional round. Yep. Oh, yeah, divisional round uh, matchup. And I mean, this, I think this would be a real game, but I think this is, this is Sunday's game of the week. Uh, America's game of the week. And I mean, for some reason, these games, they just hate scoring points. So I think a good bet would obviously like, under 47 and a half. It's kind of a low number, but you know, they, they just hate scoring in this type of game, but I'm going to go with the, I'm going to go with the Packers in this one at home. I mean, it's tough for the Rams to see them dropping three straight, but I think if Aaron Rodgers play plays, which I, I mean, I think he will. Uh, yeah, I mean, I like the Packers here at home at um, Lambeau to, to get a win here. I think the defense, I know they gave, just gave up 34 points to the Vikings, but at home, like, they've looked they've looked pretty good in uh, in these games. So, I don't know. I, I think the Packers get back on track here and get, and get a win. Yeah, one thing that's also interesting in this game, if you ask me, a lot of familiarity there with Matthew Stafford playing against the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, when his time with the Lions, he played them twice a year. So he's definitely used to playing in Lambeau and stuff like that. But moving on to a 2019 divisional round rematch, the San Francisco 49ers host the Minnesota Vikings. 49ers three-point favorites here. And I'm going to ride with the hot 49ers here. I mean, they've won their last couple here. They had that nice win against the Rams on Monday Night Football got back right against the Jacksonville Jaguars this past week. And, yeah, they're just really starting to play into their identity. I mean, I think last week, too, they had another 13-minute drive on offense and stuff like that. They want to run the football. They want to run that clock, and they want to play defense. And I think, ultimately, they're going to be able to take the Vikings off their script and where the Vikings just want to get into shootouts and stuff like that. Of course, this game is going to be close because the Minnesota Vikings are playing in it. But I'll start with Kyle Shanahan here. I mean, these are two teams I hear fighting for a wild-card berth, and I'm going to ride with the team that I just think is a better overall team in the sense. And I like the coaching staff better in San Francisco. So I'm going to go with the 49ers to ultimately win this game and cover the 30 points. But I think, again, this should be a real good game on, uh, on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, this should, this definitely should be a, um, a really good game. Like you said, the Vikings, I expect this to be a one score game. No doubt. This is a rematch, obviously of another, uh, the divisional round in 2019, or was it, yeah, two years ago. And um, the 49ers obviously um, kind of took it to the Vikings. I think this is a close game. I'll take Vikings plus three, but I think inevitably at the end, the Vikings beat themselves. And I'll take the 49ers to, to win, but Vikings cover. All right, getting on to the rest of our picks. We'll just kind of list them out. I'll go here first. I think that the Lions, I mean, it's Thanksgiving. The Lions play every Thanksgiving. I'm not going against them. I think if Jared Goff plays, the Lions will get their first win of the 2021 NFL season over the Chicago Bears, led by Andy Dalton. Obviously, this depends definitely if Tim Boyle starting. I don't really like the Detroit Lions in this game. So I'll go with the Lions plus three and to win the game. On a similar note, Cowboys play every Thanksgiving, too. They love it. The Raiders aren't a, bit, a bad skid. I think the Cowboys to bounce back. A nice win. I'll take them minus seven and a half. I'll also take the Bills minus six to bounce back in the night game on Thursday. I think that the Saints have been a completely different team without Jameis Winston on the opposite side of the ball. They played two close games against the Falcons and the Titans, but this past week, a little more lopsided against the Eagles. So I'll go with the Bills there. I'll go with the Giants plus three and a half. And to ultimately win the game, not a lot to say about that. There's no way I'm ever taking the Philadelphia Eagles against the Giants after what they did last year. I'll take the Steelers plus four and a half against the Cincinnati Bengals, but I'll you know what? I'll take the Steelers to win the game there. I think getting T.J. Watt, Mika Fitzpatrick, and Joe Hayden back 
will ultimately propel the Bengals, will ultimately propel the Steelers over the Bengals. And I think that there's a lot of um, uneasiness there after what the Bengals did last year to the Steelers and then what they did earlier in the season. I'll take the Dolphins plus two and to win the game against the Panthers. The Dolphins have had a lot of success this year against mobile quarterbacks. I mean, I remember a couple of weeks what they did to Lamar Jackson. I expect them to get a lot of pressure against Cam Newton. I will take the Falcons and a pick them over the Jaguars. I mean, this is just an ugly game. There's not much more to it. I just trust the Falcons more. I'll take the Texans minus two and a half and actually an uglier game over the New York Jets. Tyrod Taylor, I'll back even with Zach Wilson coming back. Texans home team. I'll take the Chargers minus two and a half over the Broncos, even with the Broncos coming off the bye week. Chargers got a nice big win. I think they're just an overall better football team than the Broncos, so I'll side with them. I'll take the Ravens minus three and a half on Sunday night football over the Cleveland Browns in Lamar's return. And I will take the Seahawks plus one and to win the game over Washington. The Seahawks are bad. I don't think they're that bad. I know Washington has looked nice the past couple weeks, but I think the Seahawks ultimately Russell Wilson will um will pull this one out. Yeah, there's some uh, some good picks, but yeah, starting Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean, I think the lot. Yeah, if Jared Goff plays, I think the Lions get a win, especially with like rumors. Matt Nagy. I don't know if that's true. Like Matt Nagy, probably fired after this game. So I think the Lions to win outright. Yeah, I mean Cowboys even without Amari Cooper and probably Ceedee Lamb. I mean, I think maybe hopefully it's a big Michael Gallup day. Cedric Wilson also. I think the I think the Raiders are just sliding really bad, and I'll take the Cowboys minus seven and a half. Uh, set the, the night game, both these teams kind of not playing well, but I think Alvin Kamara doesn't play again. I think they'll miss him um, again, and obviously Trevor Simeon. But, yeah, I'll take the Bills minus six. Eagles-Giants, I, I think the Eagles are the better team, but, like, after what happened last year, I'll, I'll go with the Giants to, to cover three and a half and win. Steelers-Bengals, you know, I think the Steelers somehow, like, the Bengals have taken care of the Steelers pretty handedly. This year and last year. I don't know what it is, but I'll just take the Bengals again. Minus four and a half. I think they get it done. Panthers, Dolphins. I think the Dolphins do get another win at home. I think they keep it going. Uh, Falcons, Jaguars. Like you said, that really ugly game. I'll take the Falcons. Like you said, the Jaguars. Just pretty not trustworthy. You know, Jets, Texans, Zach Wilson's return. He goes for three tutties and uh, 200. 85 yards, maybe 300. They win the game outright. Uh, Chargers, I'll take them minus two and a half against the Broncos. And I like the Ravens minus three and a half at home against the Browns. And then I like the uh, I like the football team right now to keep it going. I think Seattle kind of washed up this year. So, yeah, I'll take, Se- I'll take Washington to cover minus one. All right, and those are our picks for Week 11, Core. I mean, you do mention that thing about Matt Nagy. I honestly completely forgot about that. What a mess of a situation that is. And he, I mean, I know those are rumors, but if he actually uh, is going to get fired after that game, if that comes into fruition, of course, we'll get into that next week because that is definitely something to keep an eye on. But let's move into the college football world, Core. We had Week 12 of college football this past week, and then this coming week we're going to have rivalry week, the last week of the regular season for uh, that before the conference championships. And I guess we'll talk about, I mean, we had some all-world performances this past week, and we'll start first in Columbus, Ohio, where C.J. Stroud was 32 for 35, over 400 yards, six touchdowns, no interceptions, as Ohio State absolutely rolled Michigan State 56 to 7. I mean, it wasn't even close. I think at halftime, I think at half it was 49 nothing. Um, Yeah, I mean, Stroud, the guy got off to a tough start this year in the sense of they, like Minnesota, he didn't look great in that game, and then they lose that game to Oregon. And since then, he's honestly been real good. I mean, he got injured. I believe he didn't play the Akron game, which is week 
three or four. And since then, he's been unbelievable. I mean, right now, he is the Heisman favorite after a game like that. I'm sure there's reason to believe he should be. I mean, Ohio State offensively is just one of – they are the best offensive team in the country. They don't get – they're not – I don't think this team gets enough love compared to previous teams where you see 2019 LSU and 2020 Bama on offense because they weren't, like, undefeated at the time. But they are just as talented as those teams, if you ask me. I'm ready to declare that. You have Stroud, obviously, at quarterback. Travion Henderson at running back is unbelievable, one of the best backs in the country. And by far, they have the best receiving core in the country in – Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, and Jackson Smith and the Jigba. It's crazy to think that Jamison Williams, the top receiver now on Alabama, was also there last year and transferred. But, yeah, Ohio State is an absolute unit. I personally believe Ohio State, they're the number two team in the country. That's what they moved up to in the college football ranks. I believe that was justified, too. I thought, I thought even before this game, I knew that they couldn't move them above Oregon with, like, Oregon beating them, and I was perfectly fine with that. But once Oregon lost, yes, please let them jump Alabama. And – yeah, I think personally Ohio State will beat Georgia if those two teams match up. I know how good a team Georgia is, but I know Georgia's defense is good. But I think you get into a, they're going to get they're going to be able to get get them into a shootout. And I don't think Georgia's going to be able to keep up. I was unbelievably impressed with Ohio State this past week against Michigan State. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think impressed is kind of an kind of an understatement. Uh, I know Michigan State obviously was ranked seventh in the country, but to to win 56-7 and to be up 49 nothing at half and C.J. Stroud throws three incompletions, 32 for 35, 432, and six touchdowns. I don't know. That, that's pretty special. I know, like, this Ohio State offense is beyond explosive. Uh, the run game's obviously there. Uh, Master Teague had um, a good game. But, I mean, just the passing game, it's, got, it's the best in the country. Chris Olave, Jackson Smith, Najigba. And Garrett Wilson, like, they just got weapons on the outside with C.J. Stroud, who, like you said, he's a freshman, and he wasn't – he didn't really do that good in the beginning, but he has been coming on, and I think right now he's got to be the Heisman favorite. 36 touchdowns, um, he he's just playing out of his mind. And, yeah, I mean, this Ohio State team, I think right now they're the most dangerous team in the country just based off that offense, like what they could do. I don't know. I know Georgia's defense is really elite. I would love to see Georgia's defense match up against this Ohio State offense because that would be some battle. But I don't know. I think they, they like this offense right now. I, I can't see a team like slow. Like maybe they could slow them down, but you can't stop this offense. Like they're still getting their, their yards and their points. I think right now they got to be the most dangerous team in the country. And I think it was good that they did jump Alabama, who's been kind of squeezing by wins. Obviously, they only have one loss. But yeah, I mean, Ohio State is the most dangerous team in the country right now. And I think, I mean, it could be Georgia. They're really dangerous also, but I think I'm going to say Ohio State's the most dangerous. Yeah, listen, all, to Georgia's credit, they really haven't had a tough opponent. Like, they, they played a lot of tough opponents, and they really haven't played like a crazy, crazy close game since that week one game against Clemson. I mean, you look at their scores again, it's just unbelievable the dominance that they've had over their opponents. Now, they haven't had the same schedule if you ask me that Ohio State has had. Ohio State's beaten. I think definitely had a tougher test. Ohio State has another tough test this coming week against Michigan. But I think it'll definitely be – I'm hoping that we get a chance to see those two teams face off. Maybe we will. Maybe we won't. There's definitely a chance that we don't. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited for it. I mean, Georgia finishes their year with Georgia Tech next week. And then they get a, what looks like to be Alabama in the SEC championship, which will be – it's not uh, – Alabama's offense is not Ohio State, but it's a good – prep in a sense like you know what I mean it's not a straight step to Ohio State how good they are offensively 
but it's kind of a good intermediate ground because Bama's offense in their own is explosive in the sense. I mean, definitely probably a top five offense in the country. I mean, we'll talk about them this this past week. Bryce Young breaks the record for most passing yards uh, in a game at Alabama, 559, threw for five touchdowns in this game as Alabama squeaks out a win against Arkansas. Really didn't look as sharp on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, a little worrisome, I guess you could say, in a sense. But, I mean, Alabama, again, if you ask me, they weren't the second-best team in the country. It was Ohio State. They're still a very good team. They have Auburn this week in the Iron Bowl with no Bo Nicks, So I think they should be fine getting past that game. And then they set themselves up in a game against Georgia. And I guess the formula is going to be similar to how Ohio State hopes to beat them, try to air it out and just try to beat Georgia differently than a lot of teams have been able to this year. I mean, obviously, nobody's even been able to beat Georgia, but it seems like nobody's even been able to get anything going against Georgia. But, yeah, Bryce Young, he saw C.J. Stroud's performance earlier, and he said, not so fast, uh, potential Heisman. I want in on that. I think Bryce Young definitely deserves a spot in New York. He's had an unbelievable year in his redshirt freshman year. 38 touchdowns, only three interceptions. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good battle between those two. And um, these next couple games, especially this next week, matters a lot for that race. Yeah, I mean, that that, that is going to be a battle for, um, for the Heisman. I think it's definitely turned into a complete two-headed race. I mean, Kenneth Walker has been an absolute monster on the ground, but I think these two are, um, it's going to be between these two guys, but I mean, yeah, Bama, I I was sold like in the beginning of the year, like I thought they were easily going to win the, um, the the championship and then Georgia emerged and they lost to Texas A&M. Obviously they're still good, but they have not been like as dominant as like Bama has been like last year. Obviously I lost a ton of players, but I think Bryce Young's looked absolutely outstanding, but they just haven't been as um as dominant in wins. But I don't know. I think yeah, I I I'd love to see a Bama Georgia SEC championship game, which I think we're gonna see. Uh, I I give the slight edge to Georgia in that one just because the defense, how good they've been. But uh, yeah, I think Bama if that game's if that game gets like to a high scoring game, I think it's in Bama's favor. But this Bama's defense isn't um, – obviously, they're still good, but it's not like the normal, like, elite Bama defense. I think Georgia's definitely got them on the defensive end. So, if those two teams do meet, I think it's going to be, like, simple. Like, if that game turns into a shootout, I like Bama's chances. If it turns into, like, a game in the the 20s or, or teens, then I like Georgia. But, yeah, I mean, that's what I want to see in um, the SEC championship game I would expect. A great matchup between those two, but for now, I mean, the Iron Bowl always a good game, but no Bo Nix. I expect Bama to be able to uh, to get a to get a win. Should be pretty handedly, but just get a win in this one and get onto the SEC championship game. Yeah, Bama's secondary definitely been a little bit of a touch, like definitely a place that could use some improvement. I know on their defense, they have Will Anderson, one of the best defenders in the country, one of the best pass rushers, uh, and just linebackers in general. And then they have the kid from Tennessee, two hundred two. I love that guy. I mean, also great, awesome name. But um, yeah, I think I agree with you. I think just get to the SEC championship. I'd love to see how Vegas, what Vegas thinks that game. I'm interested to see on the line. I mean, if I just had to like, in, like, what do I think the line would be? I, I, it'll probably favor Georgia like a pretty like six and a half. I think it might get. I don't know. Honestly, I have no clue. I'm curious to definitely see where they put it at, how close they think those two teams are. One thing that I'll say about Alabama that they deserve a little bit of love: Jameson Williams and. Uh, John Mechie, I mean, I mentioned Alabama, uh, Ohio State having such a good receiver core. Those those two as a receiver duo, again, right up there in the best of the country. Those two guys are unbelievable, so credit to them. Moving on, core to we mentioned it. It seemed like the trap of a lifetime. Utah gets its revenge from 2019. They destroy 
Oregon, I mean, the game was really over at halftime. Oregon was sloppy in the first half, missed a couple field goals. And then Oregon's down 21 nothing. They punt the ball back with, like, no time left in the half. And Utah takes it to the crib, 28 nothing at that point, shut it down. Oregon was playing with fire a couple weeks. They, a lot of people said, eh, they really didn't deserve the ranking. You watch them play. I was, like like I said, they were third in the country. If you ask me, Ohio State was definitely better than them. They were definitely teams better than them. But with that win over Ohio State, it, hold, it held credibility. But, uh, yeah, it's all what seals their fate. Um, they're going to be playing for the Pac-12 title game now. But they, they thought they could have a chance to go to the college football playoffs. That's all but done now. And for Utah – like I said, a couple of years ago when Utah was the fifth-ranked team in the country, they lost to Oregon. I believe it was in the Pac-12 championship. And now they uh, they get a little revenge on Oregon. So uh, good for Utah. Like I said, it was a big week for Utah with Tyler Huntley winning uh, his first start as a quarterback and now winning this game against Oregon. So uh, good for Utah in the sense like that. And for Oregon, uh, so close. I mean, yeah, for sure. I mean, Utah minus three. Utah minus – no, it was Oregon plus three – the biggest trap of all time. Like it literally was telling you, do not take this line. I'm sure a lot of people still took it, but yeah, I mean, Oregon, obviously they did have that win over Ohio state, but like if there's, if these two teams play now, the spread's probably like Ohio state minus like at least 11 and a half, maybe even more, but um, no, just no, nothing wrong with Oregon. Uh, just, I mean, I personally, like you're saying, who's the top four teams in the country. It's I, I, I don't think Oregon, uh, I don't think Oregon's in that. I think Cincinnati might be better. Um, Michigan, maybe Notre Dame. Like, I, I don't think they're a top, top four team. And, yeah, I mean, they lost. So they're, they're, their their playoff hopes are 99.9% done. And, yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 has just not really – I know they had Washington in it maybe, like, a few years ago. But, yeah, I mean, the Pac-12 just – I don't know. They're kind of – like, we've said it in the, in the past. Like, this conference – it's not I wouldn't say it's irrelevant, but it's really not that relevant. And I mean, Oregon had a chance if they win this game, like they have a chance to they're in the top four. All they had to do is win out and they weren't able to do that. And yeah, it's going to be another year of no Pac-12 team in the in the college football playoff. And I don't know about you, Pale, but like personally for me, in the college football playoff, I'd love to see Georgia, Ohio State and Bama. And for the fourth team, like I didn't really want it to be Oregon. I don't know. I mean, no respect to them. Like, I'd rather see a Cincinnati team, like, in there or Notre Dame, Michigan. Like, I didn't really – I don't know why. I didn't want to see – like, I, I didn't need to see Oregon. I, I, I'd want to see, like – I personally want to see Cincinnati, how they would match up against a top team. But, yeah, it's another year. The Pac-12 uh, probably going to fail to put a team in the, in the college football playoff. Yeah, listen, Gore, good follow into that because I think that – I mean, the four spot this week, Cincinnati jumps into with Michigan at five, Notre Dame at six, Oklahoma State at seven. Um. I think Cincinnati can compete with the top. I mean, we saw last year that bowl game that they played against Georgia. They were up in that game, and then they lose it late. I think, obviously, Georgia wasn't as good as they are this year, but I think Cincinnati is ready enough to compete with some of the best teams in the college football world. I really don't think that, like, there's another team, if you ask me, that's more deserving of Cincinnati. So I'm okay with this year Cincinnati getting into it. I think, obviously, Michigan, if you ask me, they might be better than Cincinnati, but, like, it's just the way that it goes. If Michigan loses to Ohio State this week, they don't, they're not in. And if Ohio State loses to Michigan this week, they're not in. Which would actually, if you ask me, like, I think a two-loss Ohio State team is honestly better than the Cincinnati. Like, if, if Ohio State were to lose to Michigan this week, I'm still saying Ohio State's better than Cincinnati. But I'm also saying that, like, Ohio, Cincinnati deserves it more. So, you know what I mean? I think that's 
kind of what I like about the college football playoffs in the sense that there's a very slim margin for error. But if a little more craziness happens, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't really like, I think Oklahoma state, if they win against Oklahoma and then win the big 12 championship, I think there's a chance that they could sneak into the college football playoffs, maybe even over Cincinnati, even with one loss, but a conference title. But I don't know. I like Notre Dame. Like I like Notre Dame. I think they're a good football team too. I really don't know who they've really beaten this year to deserve the number six team in the country. Yes, they're good. And you ask me, they like they pass an eye test to us. An eye test to a sense, like, but they lost to Cincinnati. Like, they haven't really like they beat like North Carolina wasn't really good this year. They beat USC who wasn't good this year. Virginia they blew out, but I think their backup quarterback played. They beat Wisconsin who, when Wisconsin was like they're not good again. Like I, I don't know. I really just haven't seen Notre Dame beat a ton of people. So I think if like, Alabama loses two, another spot opens up. I think Cincinnati though at number four now is all but like clinched their spot as long as they went out to um deserve a college football player spot. And I think like you said or to earn a college football. And I believe it is well-deserved as well for them. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it, I think, like, right now, Georgia, probably the only team, like, actually solidifies themselves. And if Cincinnati wins out, I think they do also. But a lot could happen. Like, I don't know how – like, if Ohio State and Bama lose another game, there's no doubt in my mind. I think those are – I think – I don't know. I think Georgia's – right now, I'd say they're number one. Ohio State and Alabama, I think those are the three top teams in the country. But, I mean, those teams easily could lose. Like, if Ohio State loses this week and Bama loses in the SEC championship game, like, what, they just don't, they don't get in? But I think they're top four teams. I, I, I mean, I don't know. You could put other teams like Michigan, um, since in, like, like those teams in it. But personally, I know you're a big Wolverines fan. Obviously, you want to see Michigan in it. But I don't know, pal. Me, personally... I kind of hope Ohio State and Bama could um could win out and get in because I think those are the three best teams in the country. So, like for the college football playoff, like you want to see those teams in it. So, I don't know. My opinion, like I want to see those teams get in. Like that's my ideal, like ideal college football playoff: Georgia, Ohio State, Alabama, and then I want to see how Cincinnati can match up against these teams. That's my ideal one. I mean, if Ohio State loses this week and Bama loses, then it's a whole shakeup and. It's pretty chaotic, but that's my ideal. It's pretty chalk, but like that—that's kind of what I want to see. I don't know what you want to see. Yeah, I mean, as a Michigan fan, I would love to see that, and I think that'd be pretty cool if if Alabama loses in the SEC chip, loses one of the like if Ohio State loses this week, right? Then you'd have Michigan who deserves a spot in Georgia, deserves a spot in Cincinnati, and then what? A two-loss team would get in because I think a two-loss Bama and a two-loss Ohio State are both better than like anybody else really, besides maybe Oklahoma State if they went out. But I don't know. That's a uh, thing for the committee to decide. They're gonna they're gonna have to figure that out. But uh, core, we'll move on to rivalry weekend. We have two games that we're gonna pick here, and I'm honestly not even gonna pick the first one because I'm way too biased, and I'm gonna bite my tongue on it. And I think that might say which way I think one person should lean if I'm not gonna make the pick. But number two, Ohio State travels to Michigan to play number five, Michigan. Ohio State Ohio State are eight point favorites in this game. If you ask me, I think the line is honestly a little low. I thought it was gonna be maybe ten, but. Ohio State, obviously, they were rolling. They look like one of the best teams in the country. I'll say this. I think if Michigan can get pressure with their two edge rushers, uh, Ajabo and Hutchinson, who's been one of the best edges in the country, he's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft. I think they give themselves a chance. Michigan's offense hasn't been very explosive this year. It's gotten better. Cade McNamara has played within himself a lot more. They need Blake Quorum back for this game. I'm not sure on his availability yet. But Hassan Haskins, if so, will have to take 
a lot of carries in that backfield. Michigan has to control the game. If they can keep it the way that they want to play it, I think it gives them a shot. But I think there's a chance that Ohio State could do, in a similar sense, just completely air it out against the Michigan secondary and really test the Wolverines in that sense. Like I said, I'm not going to make a pick on this game. I'll preview it in a sense, and I'll leave you, Core, to make the pick on where you stand on it. Yeah, I mean, in this game, I think this would be a good game. Obviously, um, number two versus number five. I think minus eight, I think Ohio State, just like they have owned Michigan over the years. And honestly, I think the way they're rolling, I think Michigan's, I think like this is a better Michigan team than most of the times Ohio State's played. But I think this is as good of an Ohio State team as we've seen. So I think minus eight, I'm going to ride with the Buckeyes in this one. Uh, I think this game's within two touchdowns, maybe. But, I don't know. I think I think at the end of the day, Ohio State wins this game and are um, able to get it done and cover minus eight. Yeah, listen, I'll talk about this more next week's episode, depending on how the outlook game goes out. But I will say this. Michigan plays this game closer, and they lose this game. People might say, oh, Jim Harbaugh, like, still can't win the big game and stuff like that. I don't know. Michigan, if you ask me, they overseeded expectations this year. They finally, another 10-win season for them. Uh, team if you ask me win or lose this game they've won some big games this year against Penn State against Wisconsin on the road both those games on the road and stuff like that like I said I'll get into that more next week but I think it would be unfair to judge this Michigan team as just like a failure if they were to lose this game to Ohio State and yes I think if you ask me this is the best Michigan team that they've had the best performing Michigan team if they've had in a while but moving on court to the battle at Bedlam number 10 Oklahoma travels to Bedlam to play Oklahoma State seventh in the country, Oklahoma State minus four here. And I'm going to take Oklahoma with the points, but I'm going to take Oklahoma State ultimately to win. I think Oklahoma, again, they, they've kind of owned the rivalry the past couple of years. They blew out Oklahoma State last year, but Oklahoma State's defense is real good. Caleb Williams struggled against a good Baylor defense a couple weeks ago, and I think he's going to kind of struggle again against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State also playing for a lot more in this game. I think even if Oklahoma with one loss were to win out, I don't think they have a shot at the playoffs. But I think if Oklahoma State wins out with one loss in the Big 12 championship, I think they actually do have a shot at the playoffs. So, yeah, I'm going to ride with Mike Gundy and the mullet there. I will, Like I said, I'll take Oklahoma with the points, but I'll take Oklahoma State ultimately to win this game. Yeah, I mean, this Oklahoma State team, like, I think they kind of, like, grew, like, as a team. Like, I think we were probably thinking, like, the beginning, like, this team is really not that good. But, I mean, they've kind of dominated, uh, for the most part, like, Big 12 play. Besides, like, they lost to Iowa State by three points on the road in the game. They were seven-point underdogs. Like, they've really done really well in this Big 12. So, obviously, like, Vegas kind of respecting them in this in this game. I thought Oklahoma would be favored, but they're not. Uh, this is a tough game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take Oklahoma to win the game, honestly. I think Caleb Williams uh, this is a tough defense, but... I don't know. I think he's got to he's got to have like a statement game. Obviously, he's had big games, but I think against uh, like a interstate rival last game of the year, you need a win in this situation. And I don't know. I think they get it done. Uh, plus four. Obviously, I'll take them. Yeah, I think they I think they win this one in Oklahoma State and and Oklahoma State's like chances of getting to the college football playoff. Yeah, listen, Oklahoma State, if you ask me too, has been one of those teams this year that I'm like, oh, all right, they're going to lose eventually. Like, they're not very good. Like, they're going to lose another one. Oh, they're overrated. Yeah, they're overrated. But yeah, they just keep turning on. You know what I mean? Keep winning. Obviously, they had that tough loss in Iowa State. But, um, yeah, they're an impressive football team. And uh, for their sake, hopefully the Cowboys can get a nice win. But that's going to do it for today's episode. Core, anything you want to leave off with? Not really. Just uh, anyone listening, hope you guys 
Have a good uh, Thanksgiving. Eat some turkey. Watch some, watch some football. Spend time with family and just, yeah, enjoy it. Take a break. And, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, well said, Lickman. I mean, you got those three football, uh, NFL football games on Thursday. Also, keep an eye on for a real good game, the Egg Bowl, the Battle of Mississippi, Ole Miss versus Mississippi State. That is also on Thursday at 7.30. So that'll be a real good game. Matt Carabas, Will Rogers, two very good quarterbacks in the college football world. But, uh, yeah, that's going to do it for today. Have a happy Thanksgiving. Take care, everybody. Have a good one.